welcome to season two of Burnt Out to Badass. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wiseman, and I'm so excited to be bringing you stories of burnout, the recovery, the walkthrough, and then the living on the other side. It is my mission to spread a light, to normalize burnout, to name it so that we can move forward beyond it. And today's guest is super special. Her name is Shar Watson. Shar is born and raised in Utah. She's a military spouse and mother of three baby girls. She's the founder of the Providers DOO in 2019, where she brought passions for operations, business management, and a high level of strategy development into the workplace. Her mission is to empower independent practices and their teams. Her vision is to have the Providers DOO nationally accredited and recognized as the leader in qualifying executive caliber and empowering providers to stay independent while having successful and thriving practices. All right, this is a great conversation. Let's get into it. Welcome to Burnt Out to Badass, my new friend, Shar Watson. It's great to have you here with me today. Thank you, Dr. Wiseman. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, as we've talked about before, Burnt Out to Badass is talking about, you know, our burnout story and how we've come through it on the other side, now living in our badassery. So go ahead and talk to the people a little bit about who you are and a sneak peek into what your burnout looks like from the outside. Yeah. Um, well, I'm a mom to three beautiful babes, military spouse. I feel like I've been that person that, you know, climbs the corporate ladder and then is like, eh, this isn't for me after basically writing myself into the ground. So I had started, you know, I was en route to get my RN, always wanted to be in healthcare in some capacity. And then random stop sign showed up and took the left-hand turn and ended in dental in the front capacity, the front office capacity. Anyway, so I had moved my way up from receptionist to treatment coordinator to account manager. Then we had another life change. You know, my husband's job changed again. So then we moved again. And I went to another practice with the same position as account manager. And, you know, when I got there, it was it was a fucking shit show, to put it nicely. It was a mess. He was on the brink of bankruptcy. The culture was horrible. Every, I mean, everything you can imagine was the epitome of what this practice was. So turned it around. And, you know, looking back now, now that I'm out of it, I feel like I was just jumping from fire to fire. I did one big ginormous thing. And he was like, cool, here's another one. And here's another one. Here's another one. And then, then it just, it got me to that point where I was like, okay, you know, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's amazing sometimes how we come into a situation and we're like, okay, I am woman, hear me roar. Like, I can help fix this. Mm-hmm. And then you really get into the pathology and you're like, holy shit, when is this going to end? So it sounded like a lot of late nights, a lot of like stress, like trying to keep this dental practice afloat, you know, financially and with all the accounts and everything. How did you feel like during that time on the inside? Well, when I first got there, it was just me and my husband. We didn't have any babies at the time. So at the time, I could dedicate that time that it took to turn the practice around. So at the time, I was like, you know, this is awesome. I can see the outcome from all of my efforts. 
I'm here for this. I'm going to make a change on this practice. You know, it really means a lot to me to see a positive impact on the community. And I can see that happening by changing this practice and turning it around. So at the time I was, it felt good, you know, like I was like, oh, well, I found my, my place. Like, this is what I'm going to do for us. My life is this, this is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And then when did the shit really hit the fan? You know, honestly, I think it really hit a lot sooner than I was really willing to identify it as. A little bit of backstory. My husband and I really struggled with infertility for a long time. It took us about six years for us to get pregnant. And when we finally found out that we were pregnant, his the doctor's response to that was physically upset. He was physically upset that we were pregnant. And I was like completely overjoyed. Like, oh my heavens, we're finally going to be able to have our baby. But I took his response as, oh, well, it's just because he's not sure what he's going to do when I'm gone. Like he's just thinking about that. So that's when it really started was around that point. So that would be about two years after I had started with him. So stayed with him um, for a total of seven years. And he, you know, honestly, he just figured out who I was. He figured out that I'm a very passionate, purpose-driven person. And he could manipulate the situations to basically reflect what I wanted to see, that whatever I was doing would serve that. But really, the backstory of it was serving him. And so I constantly was getting put into very challenging situations. After we had our first baby, we got pregnant with our second one really fast. So again, same thing. He was physically upset at me. He actually told me if I was going to continue on having a family that this wasn't going to be for me anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got cornered into a hard spot because I was dedicated to this practice and to what was happening for the community. And I was like, no, it's okay. You know what? I'll stay on and I'll figure it out. And so about six months later, he merged with another practice in the community. And this practice was actually in worse shape than he was in when I had started with him. The culture was even worse. I mean, it was just completely upside down, completely upside down. Did the same thing and turned it around. But I was put into that situation without any knowledge of how bad it was with the expectation that I would do exactly what I did before, meaning the time, the dedication, everything, everything would, he expected the exact same. But at the time I had two very young babies. And so I stopped putting in that amount of time and he was getting more and more upset, but I still put myself through it. I was like, nope, you know what? I'm dedicated to this. I'm going to make it happen. And so continued on, continued going through these tough challenges. And it was actually one of the assistants from the other practice we had merged with that came to me. It was, so this was probably about two years after I had, after the merger and said, you know what? You've changed. You've changed a lot. Like the person I met two years ago is not the same person that I'm talking to on a day-to-day basis. Like I'm actually really worried about you. And she honestly was my saving grace. I didn't realize how bad it was until somebody pointed it out. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how 
we just are like, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. If I just put my head down, if I just put out one more fire, but really it's like that frog in that pot of water and the, the water is just slowly warming, slowly warming. And it just, until like you said, to you're at, almost at the cooking point. You know, for a lot of women that I talk to, it comes down to like crying before they go to work, crying after they get home from work. Were, were those things that you were experiencing during these seven years too? I was, I really was. Um, the merger was kind of the tipping point of for me with that because I had the small babies and I was in bigger challenges that I was having to navigate on my own. So I was, and, but he had, he had needed a way that he felt like was benefiting me that would solve that problem. And so I wasn't getting paid any more than when I started with him, even though I was doing more work by like three times the amount. But he compensated for it by paying for a nanny. And so then he felt like you shouldn't be crying anymore. Like you don't have anything to be upset about because I'm solving that problem. But the thing was, is it wasn't because it wasn't giving back my time. I was still missing out on the kiddos. I was still working 50, 60 hour work weeks. And so there wasn't really that compassion there. He felt like that bandaid though would solve that problem. And it didn't. I was still crying before work. Just a Band-Aid. Yep. It was just a Band-Aid. So a lot of times when I talk to folks, you know, I say, you know, was it a rock bottom or like a dark night of the soul moment? Or was it more of like an aha eureka moment that finally made you say, no more. I have to change. It was really that assistant pointing it out and just really calling me out on it saying, you know, like, I don't know who you are anymore. Um, you've really lost your light and your happiness. I'm, I'm a very optimistic person naturally. And I wasn't, I was just like, damn it, we're here again. Let's go through the drill of the, another day. Like I just wasn't myself. And I had had plenty of nights coming home and just absolutely crying and falling, like crying myself to sleep basically that my husband was like, you, you gotta be done. Like, when do we call this? But because at that point I had dedicated so much time and had saved these two practices, basically I had taken that ownership and I just, I still, even then didn't feel like I could let go. I felt like I I was literally like universe, can you please give me something? Like, I don't think I can let this happen and let this end without something else ending it for me. And then the universe did. And my husband got his deployment letter. And we took that as this is time because I can't do this and be a single parent to now three baby girls and make it out alive. Like there's no way. Yeah. One of my good friends, her name's Dr. Kara Pepper. And she talks a lot about how in burnout, sometimes we get in victimization mode, not in the, how we typically think about it, but we keep thinking of like, something's coming to save me. Something will change. Yeah. And you finally have to get to that point that like, oh, no one's coming. No one's coming. And it's finally, like you said, the life event of like your husband literally being pulled across the world for you to say, okay, now. Yep. It literally took that. And so you mentioned the assistant was super instrumental in your journey. You mentioned your husband being like, hey, are we done doing this? Was there anything else that looking back or any other person that was instrumental in your journey? Um, Honestly, I feel like it was my babies. You know, every time I come home, they're like, oh, mom, you're home. I'm so excited to see you. Can you come play with me? 
And it would be like, I can't, but I got to go make dinner. And then I got to clean the house and I got to get the laundry done. And it, and, 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 you know what I mean? Just the life of motherhood, but having that busy life. And it was them. They missed me and I missed them. Yeah. We didn't go through nine months of creation. You didn't go through infertility treatments just to hand your baby over to somebody else to raise them. Yeah. I feel that too. Like I wanted to be an intimate part. And I think too, my motherhood helped me to find like, when's enough enough, Erin? Seriously. Yeah. 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 So going through that bumpiness and that darkness and the shit hitting in the fan, what is it like coming on the other side now? Like what happened after the deployment and life now? So the deployment was the push for me to start on my own journey. It really was for a couple of years. I was like, you know, what? I can just be a business owner, create my own flexibility, create my own time, everything. Like I can handle that so much better than this shit show. <laughs> but again, just was waiting for, you know, someone to tell me it was okay to go do that, I guess. So in January of 2019, I turned in my keys and officially started. And I expected myself to hit the ground running just because I've been on that hustle train for so long, but I didn't, I didn't, honestly, I took about nine months and was just slow. And I just really evaluated what I wanted my business to mean for my family, for my clients. I really took the time to be able to, you know, take the babies to the park and do the things I had been missing out on for so long. And so I just took time just to really decide what I wanted to do and not to rush it. And so now I've been able to build a business that does support that dream of being able to be a mom, but also be able to be a business owner. Because I mean, I I guess it's good and bad, but I've just always been that person that's always worked. And so it's just part of me. I don't want to just be at home, but I want to be able to be home. You know what I mean? And so now I've been able to create that, but it's at first, like I really didn't hit the ground like I expected to be doing. No. And you know, I think hopefully you kind of knew, but maybe subconsciously, that's actually one of the things when I am coaching high achievers through burnout is like, I'm like, no, 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 you have to pause. You have to stop. You have to take the time, even as much as you want to be like, no, I can't and have like a visceral reaction of like, but it'll all fall apart if I stop moving. Like the plates will just fall down. And I'm like, friend, the plates are already falling down. You have to stop to to then. And I love how you put this um, when you wrote this to me, but you had to take time to heal what needed to be healed. Mm-hmm. I did. There was a lot of mindset work and unthreading I had to do. Um, like I had mentioned, he was very manipulative and I didn't know the depth of it until I was out of it. And I just had to take that time to heal. And even now I'm finding myself still healing. I'm finding myself not reacting or doing things or apologizing for something dumb. Even now, like I'm still trying to fix these habits and this behavior that I had been honestly molded into and just didn't realize it until I was out of it. Mm -hmm. And it does. It takes that like separation to look back and be like, wow, he really used my core values against me for his own gain. Yeah. In that. He did. Yep. So if there's a woman sitting out there in the audience who's like shaking her head like, Char, yes, (laughs) I 100% feel that. 
What would you tell her as she's listening to you and your story as a takeaway? You know, I honestly would tell you to take some time and create some space. I think it's really easy for us, especially as women, because we're nurturers and we tend to love so wholeheartedly. Sometimes that dedication can go a lot, well, too deep. So I would say to take the time and space to really evaluate your situation. If you're in a career that you really do love, but you know, the environment isn't good, the boss isn't good, something else, let yourself have that space, let yourself have that time to really evaluate what is it you want to do and give yourself the permission not to stay there. (laughs) Don't be me. Don't stay there for seven years and dedicate your life and miss out on the things that really matter to you. Because even though the career matters too, you don't have to suffer through it. You really don't. But sometimes like for me, you can't see that you're actually suffering, you know? Yeah. We just stomach it. I mean, we have such resiliency that it takes so much suffering to finally hit to the bottom of the barrel. You wrote in some great comments that I just have to share, but it was burnout can be the result of many things combined, which can make it harder to realize that you're getting there because it's not distinctive. And I think that is absolutely true. And you encouraged all the listeners to be willing to have and receive radical candor. I love that word, by the way. Make space between business and your person, personal, and take time for you. I just thought that those statements that you gave just resonated so much with me. And also the fact that there's nothing wrong with going against the norm to have your true alignment. Build a life and a practice that aligns with you and built and is built from your true vision. Friend, I couldn't agree more because it's when we're outside of our our vision outside of our own values, that then we're susceptible to getting burnt out. Yep, exactly. Well, if people are intrigued to know more about you or to hear about, well, actually talk about this super cool business that you're doing about helping other people who have a passion for operation and business management and rescuing practices. Talk about this now. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, my role in the practice, the what I was called to what I was actually doing was very different. I was, my title was office manager, but really I was serving as a director of operations. But I found that the dynamic there is honestly, I mean, obviously by the story told, you can see why the dan- dynamic was wrong and it wasn't a healthy working relationship. But even being out of that and coming into other practices, I'm finding that this is what they're needing. Like they really need to have this strategic partner that they can work with somebody who can really take the back of the house and be the operations guru. And I like spending time in practices. I've done the whole coming in and setting up the processes and setting up the systems and all the things, but I always left like, this isn't enough for you. This isn't going to fix the problem because you don't have that right internal support. You don't have that back of the house person that's looking over all the operations like this is it almost kind of felt like a band-aid in a sense you know and so i decided to put my knowledge put my expertise into a program called the providers doo it's a certification program that transitions office managers into a director of operations that way they can be wholeheartedly that strategic partner that the provider needs so that both parties aren't getting burned out because you know, I've talked to plenty of office managers that are going through something similar. And I've obviously talked to a lot of practitioners 
who are going through something similar. And really it's this dynamic relationship that needs to happen that just isn't there. And so that's why I decided to create this program. I have it specifically for practitioners in the healthcare space. Um, that's just where I've been for the last 15 years. So that's who I want to continue to serve. I don't want your capes to become your caskets. Absolutely. Because, I mean, that's what we need to fix the culture of healthcare. That's what we need to keep doctors healthy, healthy so they can keep taking care of patients. And that's what we need for administrative staff and our behind the scenes people to stay healthy and happy so they can help support, you know, all around. It really is a whole team approach. And so if somebody's interested in that, what's your website and the links they can find you at? Sure. Um, my website is theprovidersdoo.com. So just really easy. Um, I'm on Instagram, but it's just for the podcast, which is the CEO doctor podcast. Or you can just, you know, send me an email if you want. It's hello, Shar Watson at gmail.com. I love it. Well, Shar, the badass in me honors the badass in you. Thank you, Dr. Wiseman. I appreciate it. I'm always so thrilled to share these stories that are so transformative, that encourage, inspire, and infuse all of us with hope and inspiration. If you need some more of that in your life, come hang out with me at burntouttobadass.com. Check the show notes. We got lots of great resources, and I would love to see you in there. All right. And don't forget, my friend, the badass in me honors the badass in you.